the word of the Lord. If you would like to stand for the reading of God's word, you're more than welcome to do so. I'm going to turn your attention to the book of John, the book of John, the fourth chapter. While you're turning there, let me, let me uh, uh, reiterate and, and just uh, talk a little bit uh, also about the uh, wonderful ministry that is beginning here at First Apostolic Church, Life Groups. What an amazing ministry this is. And we are excited about the opportunity that the Lord is providing us to have uh, life groups. And this gives us an opportunity to reach people in uh, a closer way, a deeper way. You know how many know everybody needs connection? Everybody needs connection. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God setteth the solitary in a family. That's the word of the Lord. And, and, and you know what? Without the church, each and every one of us would be solitary. We'd be on our own. Even if your family is in the church and you've been blessed to have generations to, to lay a foundation for you, understand it was, the, it was the bride of Christ that allowed your family to lay that foundation. I thank the Lord for my great-grandfather who was the patriarch of our family, Andrew Urshan. But there was a time when nobody in his family served the Lord. It was just him. Now the Lord has blessed us and we have many who support one another and serve the Lord. But there was that time when only, only he served the Lord and his family. And he, he set the precedent and laid the foundation. And in, in, in life groups, we're able to take folks who, who perhaps we would just be by ourselves. But, but we're going to come into community and in family and connect with one another and form deep abiding relationships. And that's what connects us as the body and the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we're looking forward to that. It's going to accomplish so much in the way of helping each person grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you would like to be a part... And, and you can be a part in so many ways. You can host a, a small group or you, can, or you can be a one that helps plan and be a part of the team. You can bring the cookies. Amen. You'll be the most popular one in the group. Amen. And, uh, but but there's, there are a variety of ways to be involved with life groups. And so if you would like to do that, we are going to be having a sign up at Connect Point in the vestibule following the service. And uh, we're just thrilled and excited about all that the Lord is doing with this ministry. Amen. I would like to turn your attention to the gospel according to John in the fourth chapter, verse 19. John chapter 4, verse 19. And the word of the Lord says this, The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, I'll tell you, if you're not familiar with this passage, we, we, have, we have interjected ourselves into the middle of a conversation. This is a conversation between Jesus and a woman at the well who, who when she was there, he asked her for something to drink and she obliged. She, she gave him something to drink. And then he told her, he said, if you knew who was talking to you, you'd ask me for something to drink. Because the water that I give is a water where people drink it and they shall never thirst again. And, and, and that was kind of an intriguing reply. And so this conversation ensued and, 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 and we're in the middle of that. And she tells him, she said, look, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. She was a Samaritan woman. 
And uh, she was kind of surprised that he, being a Jew, would even talk to her. And, and normally there was, a, there was a real wall between the Jews and the Samaritans. And the Jews kind of looked down on the Samaritans. And she was just, she was just surprised that he, being a Jew, would, would talk to her. And she didn't know this was, this was an extraordinary person she was talking to. And that's a major understatement. Because he was, he was, he was breaking walls, breaking chains. And he was ministering to this need of the woman. Jesus saith unto her, woman, believe me. The hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I might just go ahead and open this altar right now. I that speak unto thee, hallelujah, am he. By the grace of our God, by the help of his spirit, I would like to preach to you on on this subject, the search for true worship. The search for true worship. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for each and every person that is here, that is hearing this word. I pray, Lord, that that you will open up our hearts and our minds and let us receive of your spirit. I pray, God, that you will speak deep into our hearts and let us know you, know you. We want, we want to know you. Hallelujah. We want to know you. And we give you praise today. We honor you and magnify your name in Jesus' name. We pray for an anointing that your word come forth with love and with boldness and with accuracy. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Many times, we perhaps feel that we are quite aware of this, this word, worship. This word, worship, perhaps does not intimidate us, as we have heard it so many times in the course of living, and especially in living for the Lord. And so to think that... that we might not understand worship perhaps is, uh, is a thought that doesn't cross our minds very often. And I don't know that we don't understand it, but I, I do think that, that it's important to refresh our understanding of all things in the scriptures. And, uh, and I think maybe we have, we have worshiped at times without even knowing that's what we were doing. And, and we, what we do many times is we mix worship with praise. And uh, we say it in our vocabulary. We say uh, we're going to, you know, even when we're planning a service, okay, the first part of the service, we're going to have praise and worship. 
And what we mean is we're going to sing and clap and lift our voice and thanksgiving. And, and that's, what, that's what we mean. We're going to praise and we're going to worship. And we really don't make much of a distinction between those two things. In fact, we use those words interchangeably. And we say, somebody praise the Lord. Go ahead. I just did it four minutes ago. And I'll probably do it ten times during this message, even as I'm trying to create a distinction. I'll probably interchange them without even meaning to because it gets so convoluted in our thinking because of how we have viewed it for so long. And we, we just mix it up and say, go ahead and praise the Lord, worship his name. And, and, and we're, we're describing the same thing. When we say praise and worship, we're really just saying praise and then When we talk about worship, many times we're just describing praise in maybe a different form. I've heard people say, praise is when you give God praise for what he has done, and worship is when you give God praise for who he is. And I think it's very important to praise God for what he's done, and I think it's very important to praise God for who he is. But, But both of those things are still praise. When you're praising God for who he is, you're you're praising God. When you're praising God for what he has done, you are praising God. And it's an important thing. You you get into the book of Psalms, and the book of Psalms uh, carries that word, praise, uh, about as many times as it has a psalm. There are 150 psalms in the book of Psalms, and there are about that many references to the word praise. And so it is an important topic when you stop to consider it. There is power in praise. No question there is power in praise. But understand what praise is. Praise is when you are are opening up your mouth and you are describing the greatness and the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, Psalm 150, and there are a number of psalms that, that instruct us to praise the Lord. Psalm 150 being perhaps one of the great, greatest psalms of the scriptures that describes praising the Lord. The scripture says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments. Praise him with organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And in case you didn't get that admonition... Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to stop for a moment and say it's so good to see brother and sister Melvin and Luann Kuntzman here today. God bless them. I didn't see them here until I just got to this point in the message. Let's give them a great big hand. Amen. I love this uh, couple so much, uh, they have helped raise me. And they were in Kokomo, Indiana. Brother Kuntzman's father pastored Zion Tabernacle before my father. Sister Kuntzman was my principal of my high school and, and all through school and, and, and took me out of the f- a fiery furnace and brought me up onto 
amen, into a place where I could be okay. But uh, I thank the Lord for them. It is so good to see them. The scripture admonishes us to praise the Lord, to lift our voice in praise, and to sing with praise. So when we in our services uh, admonish people to praise the Lord, it's, it's not because we don't have anything else we could be doing with our time. It is because, number one, he's worthy of the praise. And secondly, because we are admonished to praise him. And the reason we're admonished to praise him is because it is comely for the upright to praise the Lord. Something happens in us when we praise the Lord. When we lift high God with the words of our mouth. When we declare that he is wonderful, when we declare that he is excellent, when we declare that he is great, that he is magnificent, when we open up our mouth and say things like hallelujah or, or glory to God, I praise you and I give you my heart and I, and I love you. You are wonderful. You are high above all things. That is praise unto the Lord. And the Bible says don't just say it, but let your body go along with what you're saying. So, so clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God. And, and the Bible, I mean, makes clear, Psalms is not a quiet book. And so that's why our services aren't really what you call quiet. Now, there are times when the Spirit of the Lord moves in such a deep way that we go into, we're going to get into this, but, but it, we go into a place of worship. And that worship is, is some kind of a deep bowing and reverence to God. And, and yet, when we praise the Lord, there is an uproarious praise that we give unto the Lord. So the book of Psalms instructs us, use the stringed instruments, and use the organs, and use the loud cymbals, and use the high-sounding cymbals, and, and praise Him with the timbrel, and praise Him with the dance. David illustrated this uh, most notably in the word of the Lord. And, and Miriam, the sister of Moses, when the Ark of the Covenant came back to Israel, David saw the Ark afar off and he danced before the Lord. When you see people dancing, it's because they have seen the glory of the Lord coming into their life. And they are praising God for what he has done in their life. Uh, Miriam led all of the ladies of Israel into a dance and they grabbed timbrels and they, they began to praise the Lord with the sound of the timbrel and they danced before the Lord. Why? Because he had just parted the waters of the Red Sea. That's why. And they walked through on dry ground. Are you kidding me? If, if that had just happened for us, we should grab anything close to us and start shaking it and dancing and giving God praise. And here's the thing. It has happened for us. He did bring us out. He did make a way where there was no way. So yeah, you ought to praise him. Yeah, you ought to sing. Yeah, you ought to shout. Yes, you ought to clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. It is not, it is not, uh, it, is not, it, it is not merely emotionalism. Somebody said, well, that's it, just emotionalism. Well, there's a lot of emotion packed into it. And you start thinking about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for you, and you'll get emotional. The reason you're not, 
you don't get as emotional as you, your mind starts thinking about so many other things. There's so much other stuff that dominates your thinking. And so you, you just send up a random thought the, about the goodness of God and no, it doesn't, nothing really happens for you. But when you meditate upon his goodness and when you dwell upon his goodness and when you begin to consider how you shouldn't even be alive right now, but he brought you out and you shouldn't have access to the blood of Jesus but he brought you out and you shouldn't have access to the infilling of the Holy Ghost but he brought you out you'll get emotional about that hallelujah it'll bring tears to your eyes when you think about how good God has been it'll bring a song to your lips when you think about how good God has been and yes it'll put dancing in your feet absolutely it'll put clapping in your hands if you think of the goodness of Jesus this is praise unto the Lord and throughout throughout the scriptures the Lord teaches us to praise the Lord Psalm 148 praise ye the Lord praise ye the Lord from the heavens praise him in the heights praise ye him all his angels praise you him all his hosts praise you him sun and moon praise him all you stars of light praise him you heavens of heavens you waters that be above the heavens let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created he hath also established them forever and ever he hath made a decree which shall not pass hallelujah praise the lord from the earth you dragons and all deep hallelujah fire and hail snow vapor stormy wind fulfilling his word mountains and all hills fruitful trees and cedars beasts and cattle creeping things and flying out kings of the earth and all people princes and judges of the earth both young men and maidens old men and children let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent his glory is above the earth and heaven let everything that hath breath praise the Lord let everything that hath breath he didn't say let everything that hath a promotion praise the Lord he didn't say let everything that hath a good day praise the Lord he didn't say let everything that hath everything going their way right now he said if you got breath in your body praise the Lord glory to the name of God Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, praise does something for you. Praise will do something for you. Right now it'll do something for you. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm preaching on worship, but I'm enjoying preaching about praise. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Now, do you know what that means? That means enter into his gates with thanksgiving. That, that doesn't just mean, and it does mean this too, but that doesn't just mean when you come to church, come to church thanking God, and when you enter the building, lay behind you all the grumbling and complaining and murmuring you did and shouldn't have been doing, but did throughout the week, and then walk into his presence with thanksgiving and with praise. And, and that's good. It's important to do that. But, but it also means this. You can enter his gates anywhere at any time with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is like my 
key, my passcode, and I can turn any place I am into the presence of the Lord. I could be sitting in the doctor's office waiting for a report, not knowing whether it's good or bad, thinking I'd do anything to be in the presence of the Lord. Wait, I don't have to wait till Sunday morning. I'll enter his gates right now. How do you do that? With thanksgiving. With praise. It happens. You just start thanking God for stuff. You're having a bad day. You're having a bad week, bad month, bad year. Just just turn it into thanksgiving right now. Lord, I thank you for being good to me. Lord, I thank you for keeping me. Lord, I thank you for being with me. Because no matter how bad this is, I know you're with me. You're walking with me. Hallelujah. I can feel you close to me. I'm walking hand in hand with you. And you enter his gates. Because of thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise hallelujah so this is praise this is a beautiful thing but as as beautiful as praise is and as great as praise is the scripture says that the father is seeking worshipers you know praise is something that you can really give to anybody because praise is just that it's praise it's it's when you are saying good things about something or somebody. And God said, you need to be doing that to me. Because nobody is better than God. In fact, he said, none is good but God. So you need to be offering that praise to the Lord. But, but you can praise your kid while they're scoring on the football field. And you can say, great job, man. And what do you do? You stand to your feet. You clap your hands. Awesome. Fantastic. Great job. That's praise. Keep praising your kids. Keep telling them you can do it. You can make it. You're going you're gonna to do amazing things. God's got his hand on you. But tell, make sure they know to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can praise your, your uh, pet. That's a good boy. That's a good boy. That's a good boy. That's praise. You're heaping praise upon people. You're heaping praise upon things. And God said, I want that praise, and you need to give that praise. And praise does something for you. And I love it when you praise me. And there's a beautiful relationship that comes from praise. But, but what the Father is seeking, he's on a desperate search for worshipers. And sometimes we, we think we're worshiping him when we praise him. And we're not. That's, that's praise. But this woman at the well in Samaria, Jesus stops and, and is talking to her. And he says to her, would you give me something to drink? And she said, I'm, wow, I'm really surprised that you would ask me for something to drink. Because she said, I'm a Samaritan. And normally a, a Jewish man wouldn't have anything to do with the Samaritan. And she said, but sure, I'll give you something to drink. That's fine. And she got him a little bit of something to drink. And he said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for something to drink. Because the water that I offer is water that when people drink of it, they shall never thirst again. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be a time where they need to quench their thirst. What it means is he's going to put his water in you. And it will be a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. So when you get thirsty again, you don't have to go down the village tavern to find something to quench your thirst. Because he's going to put inside of you. Everything you'll ever need to quench whatever thirst you have. Hallelujah. I don't have to go try to find some external force, some kind of an external relationship to fill the void in my life. All I have in you, that's what I need. He is my all in all. Hallelujah. He is all together lovely. And he said, the water that I give to drink, people will never thirst again. And he began to talk to her about, about this water and and she said to him, she said, you know, this whole thing about, about, about you talking to me. She said, I don't know that, I don't know that, that we could ever really, really uh, agree on things. Because she said, we and our fathers, we worship in this mountain. And she said, and, and you, I'm sure, because I've talked to a lot of people who think like you. I'm sure you would tell me that we are to worship at the mountain in Jerusalem. She was caught up in religion. And Jesus looked at her and said, I want you to know that the hour cometh and now is where the true worshipers aren't going to worship in that mountain and they're not going to worship in this mountain and they're not going to worship in that mountain or that mountain or that mountain yonder. But that true worshipers are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now you have to know when you look at the word of the Lord, you have to know what, what worship means. And, and, and there's a little something called the law of first mention. The law of first mention. And it, and it deals with with uh, where worship was first described, where it was first originally described. And, and, and so when you look at the scriptures, there, there are plenty of places where worship was described. As a matter of fact, there are only three verses of scripture where praise and worship are mentioned in the same verse. Now, we throw them together every service 45 times. Praise and worship. Everybody give God some praise and worship. Let's praise him and worship him. And we're describing the same thing. We see them as synonyms. But the Bible only uses the terms praise and worship three times together. And even in those instances, it is describing two different things. The one time that praise and worship is described together, the scripture describes that there was a... There was a time of, of dedication when Solomon was dedicating the temple of the Lord. When Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the offering and the sacrifices. 
and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Now, you got to understand, Israel had never really seen something like this. This was major. This had been a long time since they had really experienced the glory of the Lord on this wise. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped. Right then, they were worshipping. And all they had done was seen the glory of God and the fire of God. And they bowed on their face, put their face to the pavement in the presence of the Lord. And in that moment, without uttering a word, they worshiped God. Then they praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Without saying a word, they worshiped God. But when they opened their mouth to speak his greatness and his goodness and his mercy, they were praising the Lord. Worship happened when they bowed themselves. Not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, mentally. They they realized, I'm in the presence of the great God of heaven and earth. And they bowed themselves and put their faces to the pavement and they worshiped the Lord. Second time that it is mentioned is found later in the reign of King Hezekiah in the same passage of scripture. And in this, in this incident, they, they began to praise the Lord. And the same thing happened. The power of God came down. And the fire of God came down. Second Chronicles 29 verse 30. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the priests, princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. See, they were praising God with the Psalms. They were declaring the Psalms, the words of David and the words of the prophet Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness. And then... They bowed their heads and they worshiped. When you read that word worship in the Old Testament, it is describing the bowing of one's self. It is when the self bows down. Praise is, is just, just honoring God with your mouth and with your body and with your, with your voice and with instruments and using an instrument, any, any tool you can find and giving honor to God and glory to God. But pr- worship is something that, that doesn't even require an instrument. All it is is when yourself just goes down in honor of the goodness and the glory of God. And I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, there are a lot of people who have praised God all their born-again lives and don't ever worship him and their self is raging and their self is 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 on full display and it becomes all about self and sometimes we get into the habit of 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 praising God and taking pride in how well we praise God and it becomes about us and it becomes about what I'm going to get in this and and it becomes it talks about it's in reference only to what he has done for me Lord I give you praise because of all you've done for me all your 
going to do for me. And, and, and that's fine. It is comely for the upright to praise him. And it's mentioned over and over and over and over and over in the book of Psalms. And, and we are to praise the Lord. But God is looking for somebody, a true worshiper, who understands that, that, that what God really needs and what God is really looking for is somebody to simply bow themselves in his presence humble themselves in his presence hey i'm going to tell you something god is really serious about this great commission business go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature i'm going to tell you something ladies and gentlemen he's really serious about laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover he's really serious about mending and binding up the brokenhearted he's really serious about comforting all those that mourn he's really serious about about turning the other cheek and when somebody asks for your cloak give him your garment also and we many times fall short of his of his commission simply because we're so busy focusing on praising him that we don't focus on humbling ourselves in his presence god doesn't need just any person he needs a worshiper who will humble themselves in his presence who will bow themselves before him and say God you are greater than me God you are higher than me sometimes they don't even utter a word they just bow their heads and they let the glory of the Lord fill the house and they say I don't want any self getting involved with this the first word first time the word worship is used in the scriptures is in the Old Testament of course and it is, it is Abraham who uses it what is interesting about Abraham is that Abraham uh, is, is the individual who heard the voice of God so clearly. And he, he heard God say, leave your father's house and leave your father's kindred and go look for a land that I will give unto you. It doesn't have an architect. It doesn't have a general contractor. It doesn't have a developer that has developed the land. The builder and the maker of this land is God. Abraham went out looking for a place he had never heard about. He had never heard of. He had never seen on a map. He couldn't Google it. There were no reviews on it. He didn't know what he was going to find when he got there. But he just bowed his head and he went where God told him to go. He wasn't, he wasn't caught up in trying to figure it out. It was just lead me Lord and I will follow. Show me the way and I will take it one step at a time. The first time we see the word worship used in the scriptures is when Abraham is told by God take now thy son thine only son whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt sacrifice upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of and I can talk about how that's a type of Christ I can talk about how that that's a foreshadowing of Messiah what he did for us on Calvary is what the ram did for Isaac on Mount Moriah. I, can, I could go into all that, but let me just deal with the human aspect of this for just a moment. Abraham had just been told by God that he was going to have to relinquish his son, the promised son, that he had waited to receive from the Lord. He was 100 years old. When God told him, you're going to have a son. 
and, 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 and brought the son into his life. And at 100 years of age, Isaac is brought into Abraham's life. Things are just now getting good for Abraham and Sarah. At 190, Sarah was 90, Abraham was 100. And now God shows up and says, I want you to take Isaac to the mountain and you're going to offer him there as a burnt offering upon that mountain. Ladies and gentlemen, he could not have received more devastating news than that. Not only was he going to lose this promise, but this promise was going to be, was going to be deliberately relinquished by him, nobody other than him. It wasn't going to happen by accident. He was going to have to relinquish this promise back into the hands of God. Now, we know it was a test of his faith. We understand that God was never going to require Isaac of Abraham. We know that God was proving his faith. That God was going to say, now I know that you fear God. And I have provided a ram to take the place of Isaac. Isaac was never going to need to be slain upon Mount Moriah. We know that. But Abraham didn't know that. All he knew was that his life had been turned upside down. All he knew was that God was was allowing something so unfair to develop in his life. There was nothing he could do about it. He was either going to have to give up on God or obey God. I wonder, I wonder how many of us would have said, there's no way you got to be out of your mind. I'll go worship one of the gods of my fathers because, because I, I, I can't do this. I, I'll, go, I'll go create my own little religion where, where none of this kind of stuff has to happen. When nobody's asked to do stuff that, that, that requires so much sacrifice, I'll just veer from my faith in God. I'll take an alternate route and go down a different path. But that's not what Abraham did. Abraham grabbed Isaac and he grabbed all of the requirements for a sacrifice. Took his servants and went up to the mountain called Moriah. And when they're walking, Isaac said, Dad, uh, shouldn't we grab a lamb? Isaac, I got good news and bad news. The good news is we got everything we need for a sacrifice, and I'll let you know the bad news later. They get to the base of the mountain, and he takes Isaac and looks back at his servants, and this is what Abraham said. He said, you abide here. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. First time. Now the law of first mention says that when a word is mentioned the first time in the scriptures, this is how scholars study the Bible. They look for the first time a meaningful word is mentioned because it lays the foundation for how that word is to be used throughout the scriptures. It gives you a vivid understanding of how that word is to be applied to your life. What Abraham told those servants, he said, I and the lad are going yonder and we will worship and we will come again to you. And I'm going to tell you what he did when he got on top of that mountain. He didn't dance and he didn't sing, and he didn't shout, and he didn't open up his mouth and praise the Lord. What he did was he worshiped. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you are going through some things right now that seem so unfair, and they seem problematic beyond anything you've ever faced in your life, and you don't know what God's plan is, but let me tell you, he's got a plan, and you don't know how this is going to turn out, but I want you to know this too. Hallelujah shall pass, and you don't know 
know if you're going to make it to the next day or if your promise is going to be sustained to the next day. But you don't worry about tomorrow. You just hold to God's unchanging hand. Put your head down and worship. This is what the Father is seeking. Anybody can shout. Anybody can praise. Anybody can open up there. And thank God that we do. Don't stop praising him. Don't stop lifting up his name. But but I'm going to tell you something. It's a sad day when we only praise him on Sunday. It's a sad day when we got to wait till we get into these four corners and under this roof so we can praise him and really shout. We ought to be praising him every moment that we can. We ought to be lifting up his name every moment that we can and every day in all things we should be worshiping you know why the father's seeking such to worship him because it's the worshipers who go into the foreign fields and say God I don't know what I'm going to find but in the name of Jesus I'm going to go with you wherever you lead me I don't know what's going to be required of me how much I'm going to lose but I'm going with you in the name of Jesus it's the worshipers who say God my family is struggling but I'm going to keep on serving you it's the worshipers hallelujah it's the true worshipers not the not the not the ill-defined worship that is synonymous with praise there's a depth of worship that we must enter into that bows ourself in Jesus name we've got so much self-help so much self-esteem so much self-confidence you know we wouldn't have self-esteem issues if we weren't so focused on self-esteem Let me tell you the cure for low self-esteem. High Christ-esteem. You know why we struggle with low self-esteem? Because I'm so busy trying to build up this self. And this self is supposed to be dying every day. And I'm over here saying, I'm good, I'm great, I'm wonderful. No, I'm not. My heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. My God in heaven, if it weren't for the Lord, I wouldn't be able to be here in front of you right now. I've told people I don't just belong in the grave. I belong in the grave and in hell. It is by the grace of God. It is by the mercy of God that I'm able to stand in his presence. You know what? I will tell you this about myself. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. But it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. So I'm going to bow my head and say, take over, Lord. Take over. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I worship you. My God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to worship you. See, Moses told the children of Israel before the Red Sea, he said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. You know what they were doing? They were worshiping. Stand still. Hold still. So still. Yeah, but I want to go wring somebody's neck. No, no, no. Hold. Stand still. Yeah, but I want to go give them a piece of my mind. No, 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 no. Hold still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Let the glory of the Lord Fill this house. Fill this house. 
Fill this house. Fill this house. Fill this house. Now, when you get into the ministry of Jesus, and the, the Greek word for worship comes into play. And you've got people all through the New Testament who worship the Lord. The Bible talks about the lepers worshiping Jesus. And the Bible talks about the demoniac. We talked about it not long ago. The demoniac. He was bound by chains that couldn't regulate him or bind him. He broke those chains. And, I, and it's probably my favorite story. One of my favorite stories because he runs to Jesus. And he worships him. Hallelujah. And I, and, I, and I look at throughout the New Testament and, and I see where they worshiped him. And, and what's, what one of the great stories is this Syrophoenician woman. And she is, she is not even, she's not Jewish. She's not of the lineage of Abraham. And, and she comes to Jesus and she says to Jesus, the, the Bible says she came to him and she worshiped him. And she, she said to him, Lord, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And I need you to come take care of this devil that, that's inside my daughter. And Jesus ignored her. She said, have mercy on me. And he, he ignored her when she said, have mercy. It was when he ignored her that she began to worship him. And when she worshiped him, the disciples said to him, can we tell her to get lost? She, she's annoying us. I mean, they literally said that. She's annoying. And we'd like to tell her to get lost. And you know what Jesus said to them? He said, it is not meat to cast the children's bread to dogs. Ouch. Seriously, that's when we grab our stuff, stomp out of the church. Call me a dog. But she didn't, she didn't do that. You know what she did? She said, truth, Lord. Truth, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And that's when Jesus stopped and said, uh-oh, somebody understands worship. And I've been looking all over this land for true worshipers. And I'm going to tell you, she understood worship better than we realized she understood worship. Do you know, i got to tell you something. I have been on a quest for a long time looking all over the scriptures for dogs in the Bible. I'm, I'm a dog guy, and I, I'm like, Lord, they got to be in here in a positive context. They're the greatest animal on earth, and you created them. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, uh, just where, where in the world? And, and I'm looking through the scriptures, and, and, uh, and, and how many dog lovers we got in the house this morning? All right. How many have a dog right now? Look at this. How many had a dog growing up? Amen. Look at this. That's all right. That's all right. They're the most fantastic animal God put on this planet. I've had, I've had lizards and rabbits and cats, and there's nothing like a dog. You know, and the others are great, but there's nothing like a dog. And I was like, you know, listen, they're the most forgiving animal. They, they, they don't ever want to be out of your sight. They don't, they don't ever want to be away from you unless they're doing something wrong. Then they want to be out of your sight. They want to be with you. They, 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 it seems like they love you. I mean, if you, you, you come home after being gone through the day, and they are so excited. They cry when you, when you go out the door, and they get excited when you come back in the house. 
And they, they're not even mad that you were gone. They're just excited to see you. They're the most, I mean, I'm like, God, this is like your unconditional love. It's got to be in the book of Job somewhere. Job had to talk about, maybe somewhere in the Proverbs. There we go. I'm sure it'll be. And I find all this bad stuff about beware of dogs. And the dogs ate the blood of Jezebel. I'm like, man, that's not the dogs I'm looking for. Those are coyotes. I'm looking for dogs. I'm looking for dogs. And Sister Lynn, Sister Lynn Webb rescues dogs. And she, she has a, a love for dogs. And, and, uh, and I finally found them. I found them. In the Bible, I found them. I'm telling you, it was like, a, it was like, a, like, like the heavens opened. And you do know somebody said, I'm trying, I don't know if it was a prophet or what, but somebody said all dogs go to heaven. I don't, I've not been able to find that in my concordance. <laughs> Still looking for that one, but but I finally found dogs in the scripture. It is the New Testament word for worship. I'm not kidding. It literally says when it literally means when we talk about worship in the New Testament, it literally means as a dog would lick his master's hand. To bow down, to crouch, to honor, to revere. It involves total surrender. So when he said to this woman after she cried, have mercy upon me. And he said, it is not meat that I should even talk to this woman or give her any kind of attention. And she worshipped him. And his disciples said, should we should we tell her to go away? And Jesus said, we shouldn't give the children's bread to the dogs. And she said, Lord, you can call me a dog all you want. I'll agree with you. Truth. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus stopped and said, go your way. Because everything's going to be all right with your daughter. Because he found a true worshiper. Somebody who was excited Hallelujah. To be in his presence. It brings all of it to light. When I see this, this demoniac running into the presence of Jesus Christ. Everybody had tried to shut him down. Everybody had tried to regulate him. Everybody had tried to rein him in. And he ran into the presence of Jesus Christ. And he worshipped him. You know what he was doing? He was saying, Lord, I give up. I don't know how to do it. I don't have control over these circumstances. I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I, 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 I humble myself before you. I bow down myself before you. That's what the woman of Syrophoenicia said. Lord, I don't know what to do. You can call me a dog. That's what I am in my own self. I don't know which way to go, but I know you have exactly what I need. And I bow myself before you. I humble myself before you. That's what the lepers were saying. Lord, my body is out of control. I've got sickness raging through the members of my body. Parts of my body are overrun with sickness that can't be cured. They 
they've given me so long to live. I've been separated from my family. I'm in a leper colony where everybody's as sick or sicker than I am. And I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for somebody who has all the answers. He's looking for somebody who has exhausted all of the so-called answers. He doesn't need somebody who has a scientific explanation for everything. He needs somebody who will bow their head in his presence and say, take my life, take my family, take control. Hallelujah. It's total surrender. It's like when that dog rolls over and just says, Lord, I, 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 I trust you. I don't, know, I don't know what the plan is. I don't know why Isaac has to be sacrificed, but I trust you. I was sitting with my parents, and my parents were never dog people. They were never dog people growing up. We had a dog, but it was our dog. We begged for it, pleaded for it, and, and so we had to take care of Bootsy. And so when all the kids moved out of the house, mom and dad started getting lonely. And all of a sudden, I called the house one day, and Ginger answered the phone. Not really, not really. Ginger didn't answer the phone, but Ginger is their dog. And Ginger has become like my, my little sister, you know. It's like, I didn't even know I had a little sister, and here's, here's a new member of the family. And uh, I was just sitting there yesterday thinking about, about what I was about what the Lord was putting in my heart when he talked about worship. When you see, when you see this wholesale surrender of a dog to its, to its master, you're looking at worship. You're looking at worship. And Ginger is a small little thing. And, 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 and if Ginger ever ran into a coyote, Ginger would be that coyote's breakfast. But she's not going to run into a coyote because she's in the safety of the master's house. She was sitting on mom's lap as comfortable and at rest. And I just kind of felt the Lord whispering to me, that's where I want you to be with me. Ginger doesn't know when she's going to get fed necessarily. It's up to the master, but she knows she's going to be all right. Ginger does better than all of us. I'm just going to tell you that right now. She doesn't know exactly when she's going to be fed. She just knows that the master has it all under control and everything's going to be all right. I'm going to tell you, I don't know where my next meal is coming from, but I know that the master has it all under control. I'm going to tell you something. I hear howling outside. I hear, I hear all kinds of stuff going on. Ginger heard some kind of a scurrying. They live kind of out in the woods. She heard some kind of a scurrying going on, and, and then she ran to the door barking like she was some massive, you know, Labrador and was going to take on whatever it was out there. And it was some kind of a coyote attacking some animal in the front yard. And, and, and she was real big and bad and tough behind that door. And that's the way it is with God. Listen, I'm in the Father's house. I'm in the Master's presence. Everything's going to be okay. I'm just going to crawl up close to Him. I don't want Him to leave me. Hallelujah. I don't want Him to get away from me. Don't leave me, Lord. Cast me not away from Thy presence. I want to be with Him every second. I want to be with Him every day. That's worship. That's worship. I can't wait to see Him show up in my life. And when He gets here, I'm going to be excited to see Him. That's worship. 
Let me tell you something. Praise leads into worship and worship comes back into praise. Praise always leads into worship. Notice, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Notice that it's gates and it's courts. Anytime there are gates and there are courts, you're on your way to a throne room. That's worship. And when you're in that throne room of God's presence, humbly letting him move upon your life, it's going to come back into a praise. That's why Jesus said of Abraham, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And before Abraham was, I am. So when Abraham just went to the top of that mountain and worshipped, what did he do? He obeyed. That's worship. What did he do? He trusted. That's worship. Obey. Worship. Trust, worship. Have faith in God, worship. Lean on Him, worship. Rely on Him, worship. Depend on Him, worship. Oh, I know it's not as exciting as praise. Praise will get us shouting. Praise will get us dancing. Praise will get us singing and clapping and waving our hands. But worship is what He's looking for. That's who the Father is seeking. Those who will truly Truly worship. When there's not a a beat of a drum to be heard, but I'm still going to trust him. When there's not a song to be sung, how can you sing the Lord's song in a strange land, the psalmist said. That's when you worship. You bow your head and you say, I don't understand what's happening, but I trust you. And I'm going to keep on walking. And I'm going to keep on serving. And I'm going to keep on trusting. For the Father seeketh such to worship him in spirit and in truth. Somebody, somebody right now, just lift your hands unto the Lord. Lift your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want you just to worship him. Worship him. Hallelujah. If you want to, just go ahead and bow your head and worship him. Hallelujah. If I could have the musicians to come right now. Come on, just bow your head right now and worship him. In the name of Jesus. Some of you are going through things. You don't know what the answer is. You don't know what's going to happen. All you know is that things are out of your control. In the name of Jesus, I want somebody right now who is needing a job, needing some kind of a godly provision in your life. I want you right now to begin worshiping the Lord. I trust you, God. I obey. I'll obey your word. I will not veer from this path. I will trust you. I will trust you. I will trust you. For you are holy and you are righteous altogether. Hallelujah. 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 To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Hallelujah. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you.